All right. Good. Good evening, everybody. I'm a grateful. Well, I'm a believer in Jesus. Oh, there we go. I'm a. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with ingratitude, actually resentments, fear, selfishness. My name is Josh, and I'm glad to be here today. Hey, I'm home. I love preaching on Friday night. Thank you guys for taking time tonight to be here. We're on a lesson tonight called Spiritual Inventory, and before we get into that lesson. I had to tell you, Forever Family, that this has already been a big year for me. It's earlier this year, I turned the big 5-0. Yeah, yeah. I know some of you are like, I wish I could go back and be 50. Others of you are like, man, I'm old enough to be your daddy now, right? And, and oh my gosh. But anyway, I went to go see, in the midst of turning 50, I went to go see my primary doctor. And my primary doctor said, hey, it's, it's time. Um, <laughs> To, to get that colon checked out. And um, actually, by the way, you're supposed to do it at 45. You know that? Not 50. But I waited until I'm 50, and he says you got two options. One is you can do the, the invasive route, which is the colonoscopy. It's where you, on the day before, you clean out your colon. That's a lot of fun if you've ever done that. So you clean out your colon, and then on the day of the, oper- the procedure, the, the surgeon goes, or not, the, the doctor goes in and uh, takes a look on the inside and addresses what needs to be addressed on the inside. So he got that. He said, it is, it is inconvenient. It's kind of invasive. But he says, there's a second route you could go, and, and I won't go into details much, but you don't have to go invasive. You don't have to go deep. You can just do a stool sampling. Okay, I said it. I'm sorry. I know that's gross, but it's a lot simpler, and, you know, you could go that route. So I just asked the doctor, because I was really wanting to go that route, that easier route. I said, Doc, what, what do you think I should do? And he said, given your age and given your family history, I did have a granddad that died of colon cancer. He said, you really need to do the invasive route. You, you, it's going to be more helpful to you. We need, you need to clean out the inside. Let us look on the inside. That is going to be the better route for you. And you'll be thankful that you did it. And so, yeah, back in March, I did the colonoscopy. And I have to tell you, I am thankful that I did it. Because there was things that needed to be attended to and addressed. And so I'm very thankful uh, that I did that route. You might be going, what does this have to do with my life spiritually? And, um, <laughs> and what I want to tell you is in our spiritual lives, we need to be about looking on the inside. We, we need to kind of get invasive, right? We, we, we need to go deep and, and we need to get on the inside and look what needs to be tended to and addressed that's really what we need to be about in our spiritual lives. We, we need to dig deep, if you will. And right now in our, in our, I know it's funny, but right now in our teachings on Friday night, we're on principle four of spiritual growth. And principle four, let's say it together. It says, openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. And then Jesus, where we get this principle four, taught this. He said, blessed are the pure in what? heart for they will see God. Did you know when Jesus taught that the context of this was is that everyone thought the purity that we should focus on is on the outside. Like let me make sure my hands are clean. Let me make sure I don't touch anything unclean. Let me make sure I don't hang out with unclean people. Let me make sure my sacrifices are clean. Everything was about purity on the outside. And Jesus comes along and he brings a brand new teaching and says, hey, your purity focus is on the wrong thing. You have it on the external. I'm about the internal. 
He says, blessed are the pure in heart. And by the way, this word pure, you probably heard me teach this before, but hang on. This word pure actually means uh, unmixed. It's the most simple definition of unmixed. If you're eating a clean, pure food, it means that other ingredients have not been mixed in with it. Well, pure in heart, kind of the same thing spiritually, is that you have an unmixed heart. Or you can say it this way, it's not, your heart's not mixed with other devotions and other affections. It's not mixed with other pursuits and other surrenders. Um, for a long time, uh, before I get there, let me go ahead to that next slide that you had up there. So I'm going to say this, that pure in heart means a singular, unmixed devotion to Jesus. And for a lot of my Christian life, for years and years and years, I was chasing Jesus like, man, I really love Jesus. I want an intimate relationship with him. But I was also pursuing other things, comforts and pleasures and addictions and things like that. I had a mixed heart. And what I've learned over the years as a Christian, what I've learned over the years in recovery is that Jesus will not share you with anything else. I mean, he won't. <laughs> you can try to pursue other things and give your heart to Jesus and something. And I'm telling you, it doesn't work. It won't work. Now, one other thing about pure in heart is this, is that in recovery, we know it's never, ever about willpower, is it? Ever. So you can't wake up tomorrow morning and go, man, today I'm going to have a pure heart. It doesn't work like that. When you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into you and begins a brand new work on the inside. Give, is Jesus is the one that purifies your heart. But what you're called to do now is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, partner with the Holy Spirit and go, you know what? I'm going to start doing what Solomon said above all else. Guard my heart. I'm going to start paying attention to what's going on on the inside. I'm going to start paying attention. Am I mixing my will and my ways with his will and his ways? I'm going to start paying attention, examining. Am I, am I really pursuing other things other than an intimate relationship with Christ? I'm going to start cooperating in this heart work. And let me tell you something, friends. It's not easy. It's not easy. Because you still have an old sinful nature on the inside. The Apostle Paul calls it the flesh. And I want you to see what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 5.17. He says this. The flesh, which we're all in, the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit was contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. And so if you're here today and you're like, yeah, I do love Jesus, but I kind of feel pulled to pursue this. Welcome to the Christian life. That it is a battle. It is a spiritual battle. And if you're going to fight spiritually in a spiritual battle, you better use spiritual weapons. Amen. And I'm talking about spiritual weapons like worship and prayer and reading the word and start seeking his will and his ways and start committing. I need to do his will and his ways. I need to see if, if, if you know, what his will and his ways for this area of my life is so important. And so here we are talking about spiritual inventory and we're really examining, am I mixing my will and my ways with his will and his ways? It, it, do I have a mixed heart right now? And, and in spiritual inventory, right now I'm doing spiritual inventory part one. And what we're doing is we're openly examining our lives. And openly examining me, means I'm just taking an honest look 
openly examining my life is not vague. It's not, well, I'm just, I'm doing good in life, so I'm good. No, openly examining our lives means we're really going to look at each area of our lives and ask, am I pursuing God's best here? Am I really pursuing his will and his ways in these areas of my life? I'm going to give you four key areas of our lives from spiritual inventory part one that we need to do some hard work. We need to find out, are we chasing something else besides God's will and God's way for that area. And so the first area that we do in a step study in spiritual inventory part one is called relationships with others, relationships with others. Now that's a big topic, isn't it? (laughs) That is a huge topic. And my, my goal tonight is just really to give you something helpful that I know is God's will and God's ways for that area. And one of the things I want to remind us of tonight is that, is that our words are very powerful. That's the next screen. Our words are very powerful. I promise you, when you look at your relationships and you examine, okay, who's hurt me in? Who have I hurt? Because we've all done that. When you examine that, words have always had something to do with the hurt, don't they? Like words are so powerful. You could be having a good day and someone just tears you down with their words and it, it just ruins the rest of your day. Or you could be having a bad day and someone comes and lifts you up with a word of encouragement and it really gets you through the day. So we know that words matter. They make a difference, but they really are a key in, in our relationships. Now, I want to tell you that James, the brother of Jesus, knew that words were so powerful. And he says this. He says, but no human being can tame the tongue. Wow. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And then two verses later, James says this about the tongue. He says, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Now, let me tell you something. You're in a room full of people that can sniff out fakes, okay? Let me ask you this. How... how, How many of you kind of when you're by yourself or you're driving, you're kind of cussing? (laughs) Okay, me too. Okay, out of this mouth, out of this mouth comes praise and cursing. I mean, it it just, it it just happens. And, And it is crazy because James just said, nobody can tame it. Like, you cannot tame your tongue. So on one hand, I can't do anything about it. But on the other hand, James says, this should not be. So what do we do? What do we do in that situation? Well, in recovery, we learn that it's all about dependence upon God. God, today, tame my tongue. You're the only one that can do it. God, today, let my words be words that build others up instead of tears people down. But here's the real reason why I bring up words are powerful in principle four. Did you know spiritually that your tongue is actually tied to something else spiritually? Your heart. And when your heart's full of bitterness and resentments and hurts, guess what your words are? Yeah, they hurt people. And we're after getting better in our relationships. And God does want us to be reminded that our words are powerful because our relationships are of utmost importance and how we treat people is of utmost importance. We always have to remember about the word spiritual. We call them the spiritual inventory. What really does that word mean? What, what does spirituality really mean? I've heard Andy Stanley talk about this and it's always stuck with me that spirituality has nothing to do with how much theology you know, how many Bible verses you got memorized, how good your church attendance is. Spirituality has nothing to do with how much you know. It has everything to do with how much you love. That's a spiritual person. 
And so we need to pay attention what's going in our hearts because it affects our words. And when our heart and our words start lining up and, and they're getting healing, our relationships get better. The second area of our life we got to examine in spiritual inventory part, part one is this. This is such a big one. It's our priorities in life, our priorities in life. Are we doing this God's way? What does he want our priority to be? Well, lucky for us all, Jesus tells us something in Luke 10, 42. Watch this. This is Jesus talking. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. So let's just keep this verse up here and talk about this one thing. Jesus, in this context, is actually talking to Mary's sister, Martha. Martha has the disciples and Jesus over for a dinner. In that culture, hospitality was a big thing. And so Martha knows, I got a, I got a big to-do list here. I got to cook the meal, prep the meal. I got to serve the table. I got to get extra mats. I got a huge to-do list for my distinguished guest. Well, as she's doing her to-do list, she notices her sister Mary not helping her with the to-do list. And so she gets mad. She goes from hospitable to hostile. And she goes up to Jesus and she says, Lord, Jesus, like, come on, what is going on here? Doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do everything? That's what he, she says to Jesus about her sister. Well, part of Jesus' response to Martha is this, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Now, before we get to that one thing, let me tell you where Martha got it wrong. This is where Martha got it wrong. She thought she had to impress Jesus, perform for Jesus, do for Jesus, work for Jesus, earn Jesus's approval, all this stuff. She's under this immense, immense pressure to perform, to perform, to impress, and all of these things. And what Mary did, she laid that pressure aside. You know what she's doing? She's just sitting at his feet, listening to him. It's a posture of, I just want to learn from you. I just want to know you. I just want to enjoy you. I just want to be with you. I don't care about impressing and performing and doing and working, all those things. That pressure is gone. I'm just resting at the feet of Jesus. Let me ask you something. Have you discovered that in your life yet? Have you discovered that's the one thing to be concerned about in your life? And I'm telling you, I've said this to myself and I have said and I've heard many Christians tell me this before is I don't have time to sit there and listen to Jesus like in his word and spend time in his word. Can I tell you how much of a lie that really is? You ready for this? I want you to pay attention. You may need to write some of you might need to write this down. Everyone in here sits and listens to something. No, I, I'm serious. Everyone in here sits and listens to something, whether it's your negative self-talk, whether it's, you know, social media, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it may be. Everyone sits and listens to something. Everyone sits and listens to something like the news. Everyone sits and listens to other voices. Everyone sits and listens to something. And Jesus is saying, you better start doing it with me. 
That's the only thing you need to be worth, the only thing worth being concerned about. Have you prioritized that in your life? I'm telling you, it has pulled me through the last five years, reserving daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer. You better make that the priority. Yes, you're busy. So am I. Everyone of us in here is busy, but you better start sitting and listening to Jesus' voice. It will pull you through as well. That better be your number one priority. Third area we're going to talk about tonight is our attitude, our attitude. Now, are you really ready to be challenged here <laughs> about God's ways with our attitude? This, this, is, this is interesting. This is what the Apostle Paul says. Always be joyful. How are you doing with that? <laughs> Remember, we sniff out fakes in here. I, I'm not joyful all the time. Never stop praying. Thank you. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So Paul, just with the attitude part, says our attitude needs to be one of joy and one of gratitude. That needs to be our attitude. That's his will and his ways. Well, being in recovery for a long time now, I, I have certainly discovered that when you're sad and disappointed and angry, and all these other emotions, the last thing you need to do is deny, deny that. Like, you, you need to feel your feelings. You need to be able to process that in a very healthy way. I believe that is also God's will and God's way. It's never God's will and God's ways to hide, deny, repress, suppress. No, I, I, I'm joyful and I'm happy and yet you're miserable. You, you just need to admit, I'm miserable, okay? You just need to, to come out and say it. Hey, I'm angry. But here we are, we're doing heart work, right? We're in principle four, blessed are the pure in heart. And what I've discovered, especially over these past five years with something like my anger and resentment and bitterness, is that that's just a warning light on the dashboard that says, hey, lift up the hood and start examining the engine. Start looking at what's underneath the anger. And I'm telling you, that has been such a big help because in my step studies, as I was getting angry and bitter and all these things, I started lifting up the hood and started looking in the engine under, underneath part. And I started realizing a lot of my anger is about unmet expectations on others. Like, I, I, I expected this person to have the same convictions, the same passions, the same views I have. I expected, expected, expected. It's all up in my testimonies. I looked at my testimony. I was like, man, I really expected. I had these expectations of others, and they were unmet, and it caused me so much anger. And then I started to, had, had to ask myself, did I have a right to those expectations? Like, let me ask you this. Did God call me to expect from others or to love others? Yeah, we know the answer to that. God expects me to love others. And even with my relationship with God, there's been unmet expectations. And I've, I've thought, you know what? God, if I were God, I would have done it this way. Well, what is that? That's pride, arrogance, and this foolishness. And I had to get back to principle one. Like, no, realize I'm not God. He's God. He's got this, and he's good, right? And so... Yeah, we feel our feelings, but we start getting to the heart of it. What's underneath it? What's behind it? Why am I angry? Why am I feeling this way? And as far as the attitude of gratitude, I think every one of us in here right now would agree that an attitude of gratitude is good. Do we all agree on that? Like from Old Testament to New Testament, the scripture is chock full of be grateful. 
Well, do you remember principle four? Blessed are the pure in heart for what? They will see God. And so that's why you keep coming back. And that's why you get into a step study. And that's why you keep doing this heart work called inventory. Because as you do it, you're going to start seeing God. And when you see God, you can't help but be, be grateful. Amen? Like you, you start going, oh my gosh, the very breath I'm breathing right now is because God ordained it. Like, I'm in a room full of men and women. These are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you, Lord. I've got a forever family. Even if I leave here today and I go home and I'm alone, I'm not alone for he loves me and is with me. And he is, he is always working for my good. Even if I'm going through a difficult trial or circumstance right now, God is working. He hasn't abandoned you. There's always something to be grateful for. Well, the last area of our lives that we have to really openly examine and see if we got mixed in there our ways versus his is our integrity. Is that last area, integrity. And we all know integrity is what you're doing when you're by yourself. It has a lot to do with that. But I want to put a little, another little spin on it. And I really got this from the founders of CR because they wrote questions like this in the curriculum. Well, look at, look at these questions. Is the you you present online and in social media the same as the you in real life? Good question, isn't it? Because we all know Facebook pictures, Instagram, stuff like that. Well, a lot of times we're just projecting images. Okay, look at this question. This one really touches at my heart. Have you lived one way in front of your Christian friends and another way at home or at work? Ouch. Yeah, because I've been in step studies. And I tell you, I, I have journaled in my step study notebooks that, hey, my wife has called me out on that. Like, hey, you're, you're really nice at Southern Hills. <laughs> but, but not at home. Like, I'm harsh and controlling and all those things. And so I really had to pay attention to that because here's the deal with integrity. A, a person that doesn't care about integrity is a person that compartmentalizes their lives. Like, like here's my church life and here's my social life and here's my social media life. Here's my financial life. Here's my work life. And over here, I'm doing it God's will and God's way. But over here, yeah, I'm going to do it my way. That's a person that lacks integrity. Do you know what integrity is really? Integrity comes from the word integer. This is the next slide, integer, which means whole, not a fraction. And in our spiritual lives, God is like, my will, my way for your life is to see your life as a whole and know that in every area of your life, you seek his will and his ways. Every area of your life, you represent him. That's a person of integrity. And so that's spiritual inventory part one. And I saw this quote the other day, and if you go to the next one, and it says this. I have no idea who said this. There was no author, so I said it, okay? No, I did not say it. That's a lack of integrity. I just lied. Sorry about that. Spiritual image. Okay, here's the quote I saw. Identify your problems, but give power and energy to solutions. And when I saw that quote, I was like, isn't that recovery? Because we start with identify our problems. We start coming out of denial. And admitting that we're powerless and our lives are unmanageable. We identify the problem. But principles two through eight 
steps two through 12, however you want to say it, is all about giving power and energy to solutions. And when you decide, hey, I am going to be a part of this inventory work. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to guard my heart. I'm going to do this tool called the inventory. You are giving power and energy to solutions for your spiritual growth. It's a great thing. So Tammy, Jacob, you guys come on back up. I'm going to move us into the blue chip time. And uh, thank you, y'all. <laughs> yeah. um, so if you're new here tonight, we call this our blue chip ceremony. And the blue chip first and foremost means surrender. Maybe you're here tonight and you're like, unmixed heart. Yeah, I love Jesus, but I love a whole lot of other things too. And I'm chasing Jesus and I'm chasing other things. And if you're here tonight and you got, you feel like you have a mixed heart, can I tell you something I've been reading this week? I've been reading about Solomon and Solomon in the old Testament. Why is he was, he had a mixed heart. He chased a whole lot of other things besides God. And in the midst of that, in the midst of that, God approaches Solomon and says, Hey, ask me whatever you want. And what God was doing is saying, hey, look to me, Solomon, even in your, uh, your divided heart, even when you're chasing other things, I'm here for you. Come to me. Trust me. And so maybe tonight with this blue chip, just a reminder, no matter what I'm going through, no matter how mixed my heart may feel, Jesus is right there asking, get your eyes back on me tonight. Get your eyes back on me. Maybe you're here tonight and we looked at relationships and our priorities and our attitude and our integrity. Like, well, I've screwed it up in all four areas. Welcome, welcome here. You're, you belong here. So have I, okay? But the good news is, is that the gospel, it's not about our perfect record. Like we have one, right? It's about his performance. It's not about our performance, it's about his performance. And Jesus on the cross, he took our imperfect record and he gave us his perfect righteousness. There's forgiveness and healing and growth in him. But maybe you do look at those areas we looked at tonight. You go, you know what, I need to reprioritize my life. I do need to sit and listen to Jesus. Or I need to look at my attitude. I need to be about hard work, those things we looked at. Maybe this blue chip will remind you of one of those areas. Maybe it's a different area of life. Whatever the surrender is, we invite you to come. Men will take uh, chips for men, women for women. The, the altar is also open. If there's some circumstance or situation you want to lay at the altar, we'll come and pray with you as well. So. This is a time of worship, a time of surrender, a time of prayer. Let's all stand and sing and you calm down and you take a blue chip or pray, whatever, as you're led.